Welcome to the JBug Podcast. Today is Wednesday, August 19th, 2020. Today I want to explain the cycle of low self-esteem and how it repeats and how to get out of it. And low self-esteem is the easy way of saying self-hatred, self-harm, any kind of self-abuse, um, addictions where you purposely harm yourself, where you're purposely overeating because of an inner self-hatred, or you're purposely um, overworking yourself, or you're not being kind to yourself. And and it is, becomes addictive, and it becomes a cycle that entraps you, and it's hard to get out of that cycle. Well, there's a logical reason why you're getting trapped into a cycle like that if you have that. And so we're going to explore that today, because today, is, as I've been thinking about it, I've made some breakthroughs, and I may kind of do a sloppy job, but I'm going to try to push through these concepts and then I'll try to, once I've verbalized it, we'll try to go over it. So self-hatred, low self-esteem, this is actually a self-protective device. So you're not going to get someone to give up their habit of hatred for themselves and you're not going to get someone to to give up their feelings of low self-esteem because they actually are holding on to those as a method of self-protection. And this comes because of the past. It's always something in the past where there was a situation where you were not in control. So as a way to gain control over the situation, a child will make themselves the, the cause or the purpose of the harm. So they will take it upon themselves to make it their fault that they were hurt. And this protects them because it allows them to gain some control over the situation. Your mind looks for patterns with all the incoming sensory data that you get. You get multi-millions of bits of data coming in your senses every minute. And so your brain has to find patterns in that information and store it in patterns in order to survive, in order to make competent decisions in the present and the future you have to find patterns in your sensory information from the past so that you can act in a competent way. In fact, people who have this issue often become intuitive empaths because they're able to correctly identify patterns in an abusive environment and they're able to correctly predict how that person is going to behave if they're somewhat abusive. So an intuitive empath is someone who's been harmed in the past, has been able to accurately identify the subtle situations regarding that situation, and they're able to accurately predict it in the future. This makes them able to understand how other people are feeling very and predict it correctly enough that they're able to discern things about other people that maybe they can't even discern about themselves. So a person who doesn't have a history of, of severe abuse or neglect or severe pain in a relationship context, when they look at somebody who does bad things or is a perpetrator or abusive, they look at that and they say, I just don't know why. I can't imagine why someone would do that. An intuitive empath can understand why a person would do that because they're able to, from their past, adequately identify the patterns that were driving 
the person who harmed them. And therefore, they're able to accurately predict the motives and the emotional cause behind why someone would do something abusive. And they become very good at emotional intelligence. They become very perceptive. But at the same time, the brain has a mission, and that's to survive. And so when the mission of the brain is to survive, it can actually find patterns that are incorrect because its motive is to survive. And so the pattern that is incorrect when you've been abused or been through incredible pain in a relationship context as a child or neglect, the brain needing to survive will say, I'm responsible for this. And the resulting feelings that come with it are self, low self-esteem, even self-hatred at an extreme extent. It can even drive the person to feel suicidal or to self-harm. And this is because the brain is trying to figure out how to survive in its environment. And if it's in an environment that's harm ah! harmful, it's not going to accept that there's nothing it can do. It's going to try to find a way to survive it, even if it has to make itself a co-conspirator in, in, the, in the abuse. By becoming partly responsible for the abuse that happened, the brain is therefore able to find some irrational and unassociated reason why it was responsible for the harm that was done to it. And then it develops an irrational pattern, a pattern that's not based on the truth, but it is based on a lie so that it could survive the environment. It really had no choice. It had to choose to accept a pattern that was untrue so that it could survive. And what this does is it sets up the person to become codependent in their future relationships. A codependent person is somebody who allows someone to abuse them. A person like this is subconsciously looking for someone who will somewhat abuse them. And they're not looking for it consciously, of course. Consciously, nobody wants that. But they are going into a relationship willing to give more than what they're able to give. And, for a, and this actually drives away those that would be a healthy relationship for them. What man is going to want to marry a woman if that woman is looking for a man that's going to abuse her? A healthy man is going to be extremely turned off by that. There is no way that a good, healthy man is going to want to be in a relationship with a woman who subconsciously is looking for someone who will abuse her. And so if it's the woman that's codependent, she's putting herself in a situation where she can't find a healthy man. Until she resolves this conflict she has, she's going to be subconsciously looking for a man that's going to take advantage of her. What makes this infinitely more complicated is that nine times out of ten, the person can't remember the abuse. The reason why the person cannot remember the abuse is more than the fact that it happened a long time ago when they were a child. There's a psychological motive to not remember the abuse. And the reason is, is because you made yourself the perpetrator of it in order to survive. Even though that wasn't really the case, even though the real case is that it wasn't your fault and there was nothing you could have done about it, in your psychological prison, it's not until the future when the threat has gone that the brain feels safe to go back and relook at what happened and to be able to look at it in terms of the truth and the truth is that you weren't in charge you weren't in you weren't at fault you didn't do anything wrong so if you survived the abuse 
then once the threat is gone, the brain can go back and fix that false belief system that you were responsible for the abuse. But only if you're willing to consider the fact that you could be innocent. And because you already have a belief that you're not innocent, because you already have a belief that you're partly at fault, the desire or the motivation to go back and look at the past is not going to be there. You have to have a concept that you're innocent before you're going to want to go back and look at what happened. So how do you know that you were innocent? Because you find yourself with codependent tendencies. You find yourself secretly putting yourself in situations that validate your inner feeling that it's appropriate for you to be abused. That being abused is how you survive. So if you find yourself constantly attracted to the wrong types of men and you can't get the right types of men to be attracted to you, then you are suffering from low self-esteem and that is coming from a false belief system from the past that you created so that you could survive. So good job for that. You survived it. But now you need to realize the threat is gone. And if you don't learn to love yourself, now you're putting yourself in danger. It is not in your best interest to hate yourself anymore because you're putting yourself in danger. Now, hating yourself is now putting your survival in danger. Having, having a desire to commit suicide is most definitely not in your best interest. Wanting to self-harm or to cut is not in your best interest. And what happens is when you're at that threshold of feeling suicidal or feeling like you need to cut or self-harm, what happens is you actually feel like if you don't give in to that, to that compulsion to cut, if you don't give in to that compulsion to commit suicide, you actually feel like a failure. You actually feel like you don't have enough courage to do what it takes to survive because you have this false belief that you deserve to be abused and you have to be abused or you can't survive. And in order to survive, you've got to hate yourself. And remember that all your life long, you've looked for every reason why you deserve it. Not because it's true, but because you needed a reason. So that you could be in control of the situation in, in the past. So this is where you have a hundred and million reasons why someone shouldn't like you. A hundred and million reasons why you're not good enough. A hundred and million reasons why you, you're bad at something. And it's okay. It's okay if you don't like me. It's okay if you put me down. I deserve it. All of those um, feelings of that come from that low self-esteem, they're all based on the fact that there is a time in the past where something bad happened to you and you couldn't control it. And not only that, but you don't even want to think about it anymore. You don't even want to remember what it could be because that means you're bad and you don't want to remember why you're bad. That's why they call these symptoms mental illness because these symptoms do not give you a better life. It's a mental disorder. It's not because you're bad, because what, what do we say? Oh, I have a mental disorder. Oh, I'm bad. I mean, the, the concept that you could have a mental disorder feeds the feelings of low self-esteem and self-abuse. And so you go and you allow society to say things about you. Oh, well, <laughs> you're crazy, or you know, you're codependent, or you're mentally ill. And you say, I know, you need drugs. And you say, I know, I'm such a bad person. When really what mental illness is, all mental illnesses, all of these disorders, all they are is a sign that you were abused in the past. All it is is a sign of past trauma. 
And you can get free because you can realize that it wasn't your fault. There was something bad that happened to you in the past and it wasn't your fault. And you know that because of these symptoms you have as an adult that you can't find a person who's willing to treat you with respect. You keep finding people who take advantage of you because subconsciously you believe that you need to have people take advantage of you for you to survive because you feel like you were guilty for the abuse that happened to you as a child because you needed to make sense of a situation that you had no control over and your brain's just not going to give up and die. It's going to try to find a way to survive. Even if it has to lie, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lie if need be so that you have the control you need to navigate that situation in the short term. But now that it's the long term, now that you've grown up, maybe the, the threat is gone, hopefully, or maybe you have the means to remove yourself from the threat. You don't have to remain in that household anymore. You can take steps to become self-sufficient so you don't need that abuser in your life anymore. Then you can realize that these symptoms of low self-esteem, and that's just some toys playing in the background, my kids playing with toys, but you can realize that these symptoms of low self-esteem and they can be a very small amount of low self-esteem or they can be a huge, incredible amount to the point where you want to commit suicide. All of those feelings on that spectrum of self-hatred come from a time where you were actually innocent, but you made yourself the guilty party in order to survive in the past. That's because you're strong. That's because when there's a problem, you take, you take, you find solutions for it. That's the type of person you're, you are. When you're in, a, in an impossible situation, you try to find answers and you try to survive it. And it's because you're so good at solving problems that you were able to survive that abuse. Because if you weren't so strong, maybe you wouldn't have handled it so well. But all of these symptoms of mental illness means that you had to survive something that was not your fault. And that feeling of guilt has to be submitted to the actual truth of what happened. You need to be willing to judge yourself as innocent before proven guilty. So it is in your best interest, if you want to survive now, to go back, face the fear that you're guilty, face that fear, because what you're going to find is that you weren't guilty, and you're going to be set free. It's that fear that you're guilty that keeps you trapped. And that's, and those symptoms result in low self-esteem because even if you were guilty a healthy person shouldn't wallow in despair over it a healthy person can get back up after they fall down that's the right way of dealing with an accident or a mistake where you actually were guilty of something you get back up shake the dust off and you move forward and you don't sit there and wallow in it and put yourself down about it if you're sitting there and wallowing in it and putting yourself down about it it's because you have yet to consciously recognize that there was something that happened to you in the past that was extremely painful for you that you were not in control of and that wasn't your fault you know and one affirmation is to realize I can't control whether or not people hate me if people choose to hate me I can't control that because in my experience there's a time where I wanted more than anything else to be able to control whether or not people liked me and that rooted that was rooted in the past of a time where I wasn't liked by people and yet there was nothing I could do about it. And so to try to get people to like me, I was willing to do anything to get people to like me, even lie, even do things that were untrue to my true self. Because that was how I gained control of, over the situation that I couldn't control, that people didn't like me. And so 
that makes you end up doing things that you regret. That makes you lose your, your self of sense and your self of sense worth. And that's okay if you've been abused because you say, well, it was my fault anyway. So it's okay that it was my fault. And then you get trapped to where you don't want to move forward. You don't want to change your life. You don't want to overcome your issues because you figure you're responsible for it anyway and there's nothing you can do to stop it. So part of getting free is to not feel guilty and learn to be true to yourself and accept the loss. You can't accept the loss unless you're willing to go back and let it go. Because when those bad things happen, we hold on to it because we want to learn from it. We want to get it right. But if it wasn't your fault, then there's nothing to hold on to. So you got to go back. You got to realize there was nothing I could have learned from this. It wasn't my fault. You got to let it go. You'll know you did it right because you'll stop hating yourself. Instantly, your brain will make the connection that all these feelings of self-hatred are not in my best interest. If I want to live, I have to love myself because that's the only way I'm going to attract relationships in my life where I'm treated with love. And that's what I want, isn't it? You can't attract relationships into your life where people will treat you with love until you first believe you're worthy of it. Unfortunately, that's the way it works. And so you get yourself into a pit and there's no way out because the good people, they're not going to accept you out because you're only going to accept them if they are abusive to you. And good people are not going to be abusive to you. And so you have to make the choice to love yourself. In fact, it scares them. It scares good people when you think that they should hurt you. That scares them away. And what you really want is for them to come embrace you where you're at and recognize what happened to you, what's, where you're coming from and why you're acting irrationally. But people are human too and it's hard not to take advantage of someone who's allowing you to take advantage of them. So it's, it's in their best interest to kind of steer clear of you so that they don't get tempted to take advantage of you. Because good people are still human and they're imperfect. And they are still working on their issues of self-control. And, and so they, they can't be God for you. Other people can't be God for you. Only God can provide that unconditional love for you so that you can start to love yourself. Once you have that healthy self-esteem, you'll attract healthy relationships. And it has to be in that order. You've got to get your relationship with yourself correct so that you can exist and, and survive in this world. Because other people in this world are not perfect, they're not God, they have issues too. And you don't want to put yourself in a relationship where you're tempting them to misuse you. So you need to have that love for yourself. It's in your best interest to survive, to love yourself. So I hope I said that clearly, and I hope that there's um, some breakthroughs you can make from that. And thank you for listening. This is the J-Buck Podcast.